In Indiana, a man is charged with murder after two deaths with matching circumstances were found on the same street. A U.S. tourist is killed in crossfire in a popular resort town, and an Indiana father had 10,000 fragments of human remains found on his property. We're going to talk about that more today on Real Life Real Crime Daily for Thursday, February 15th. And I'm Jim Chapman. Nah, I'm Woody Overton. And I'm Mike Agavino. Thirsty? Thirsty Thursday. Day after Valentine. And the day after Ash Wednesday. And two days after Fat Tuesday. Mike was limping. Which this makes morning. this a not thirsty Thursday. Right, right, right. Most people <laughs> will be a dry Thursday. Dry out Thursday. Mike uh, was limping this morning. Oh, so, I'm limping. <laughs> yes, yes, I'm limping on all three legs. <laughs> yesterday morning. <laughs> yes, yesterday morning, too, right? But Oh, that's right, because yesterday was about Valentine's. So. <laughs> what? Well, <laughs> That's, That's right. Uh, <laughs> you forgot. I was, thinking, uh, I was thinking it was talking about from Mardi Gras. Yeah. Uh, I got you. I got, got you. I got it. I got it. So yes. that being said, gentlemen, let's get down some crime time for Thursday. Roll with it, Jim Chapman. A man in Indianapolis, Indiana. We're going to Indiana a couple times today, it All looks right. like. Seems like we are. Uh has been charged after two women were found dead under similar circumstances on the same street. Friday, February 9th, uh, David Heiner was arrested, and he was charged with those two counts of murder for the deaths of Shannon Lassar, who is 58, and Marion Weiss, who is 52. The investigation began on Saturday, January 27th, when Lassar was found dead. Five days later, on Thursday, February 1st, Indianapolis police were called to the same street where they found Weiss deceased. Police were urging people in the area to practice good safety habits as that investigation continued. And police said in addition to occurring in close proximity to each other, uh, the woman's deaths bore some strange similarities. Weiss and Lassar were both white women in their 50s, and they both died from sharp force injuries. Police said they had ties to the far east side of the city, and the two women were discovered face down and both had their pants bunched around their knees. Mm. Indianapolis police detectives obtained a significant amount of video footage from businesses in the area, which reportedly showed a man and one of the victims together. Weiss was seen on camera behind a Dollar General and walking down an alley with a male who police believe was Heiner. Police identified Heiner as a suspect after human trafficking and vice unit detectives canvassed the area where the women were found. He spoke with investigators on February 6th, and the next day, homicide detectives executed a search warrant for his apartment. They reportedly found shoes that had apparent dried blood on them, as well as jeans that were soaking in bleach in a bucket in the bathroom. Nice. That's a that's probably a good sign right there. Police learned that Heiner was on probation out of uh, LaPorte County, Indiana. The blood found on Heiner's shoes matched Weiss and Lassar's mm. DNA. Police said there's a lot of work yet to do despite the arrest, but they, it looks like they have a ton of evidence. Oh, yeah, literally. That's not including the DNA evidence they're going to get out of them, right? Yeah, I mean, and 
you walking in and and you find jeans soaking in bleach. Oh, well, you uh, find them with it the, with on their knees with their yeah with their butts in there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, uh, and going walking down the alley behind the Dollar General. It's uh, a little sketchy. Yeah. So I don't know what the hell's going on in Indiana. I don't know. I really don't know. But Bobby Knight, when you need him, mm-hmm. y'all like the Caribbean. Sure, never been there, but I like it. So I had it a, looks nice. Little known TV. fact: uh, I had a house uh, in Corzal, which is the northernmost state, if you will, in Belize. I had a house for a year there. Uh, before that, the I would go to Cozumel when I was single, like all, every other Thursday. And, well, let's tell you, swim every other Thursday would jump a plane in Baton Rouge. It's only two and a half hour flight. Is it and really? Catch you catch the flight to Houston, like a fifteen minute layover. That's an hour and forty five minutes to. Uh, sometimes I'd fly into to uh, Cancun or put it in. Mm-hmm. And then take the ferry across to Takaz, where all my shit was. And I only would come with a backpack with a pair of swim shorts in it and a T-shirt because all my diving equipment was at my buddy's dive shop in Kaz. But if you look on Kaz and you look direct, which is islands, 28-mile-long island, look directly across, you can see the shoreline mm-hmm. of Playa de Carmen and Tulum, right? Uh, which are, so if you fly into Cancun, you got to take the bus down. they got all the big resorts and whatever. And you come down to play at a car. Really, it's just absolutely beautiful place and didn't used to have any crime. And the Tulum is famous for the uh, pyramids and shit like that. That's where all also, the yogis go. All the Plus, they have uh, the, all the um, the caves that you can float through and the water's cleared in the swimming pool water. It's just really, really beautiful shit. Wow. Well, you know what? You fucking can't go anywhere anymore. So, I'll tell you about an American woman who died in the crossfire of an apparent drug deal gone wrong, bad, at a popular Mexican beach resort, y'all. So in the Quintero State, now that's that includes Cozumel, Cancun, Tulum. It's a, you know, Mexico's broken down the states kind of like the United States. So Quintero is the one that covers all that. So the Quintero State Attorney General's Office opened an investigation into the February 9th incidents, which solved the death of a drug dealer from Belize. Now, these are third world countries. Mexico's not as much more. Mexico's more second world. Belize, I love it. But, but I never dealt with Belize City because that's where all the gangs and shit are. In Las La Bonita, the, uh, San Pedro and all that, that's some more of a tourist spot. But Corzal, where I was at, all locals, a lot of dirt floor houses and stuff like that. And you go all the way down south to Placencia, the same way. It's just there's no fast food restaurants in the whole country. They do have military checkpoints that are, you know, checking vehicles and uh, in Belize, yeah, but basically to keep to keep the tourists safe, right? All these places that I would go, the off the beaten paths, you didn't have to worry about the crime other than like petty theft and shit like that, right? But anyway, so this drug dealer from Belize, um. Back to February 9th incidents, which saw the death of the drug dealer from Belize and an American woman identified as 44-year-old Los Angeles native, and I'm going to mess this name up, Nico Hornabakish, according to ABC News. The dead man had cocaine in transparent bags with red and orange pills 
as well as bags with brown granulated powder, probably heroin, y'all, in his possession when he was killed, leading the prosecutor's office to determine that he was likely a drug dealer and part of a gang. Local reports try to connect the pair and indicate they were involved in a relationship, but the prosecutor's office dismissed this report as inaccurate, saying basically this American woman and his dope dealer weren't weren't together, right? The uh, prosecutors maintain that Horner uh, Backish died as a result of a stray bullet. And mm, you know what? That's when time of that shit happens now. And 10, 15 years ago, it didn't used to happen in these resorts, resort towns. And I, I could see them putting a the spin on there like, no, Americans, you still say to come down, don't worry, right? What? Yeah. I don't know. But prosecutors have identified suspects and started pursuing leads to apprehend them, but none of the suspects have been named. Other tourists in recent years have died in gang-related crossfire in Tulum. Two such tourists, which include a California travel blogger and a German, were killed in 2021 while eating at a restaurant after rival drug dealers started shooting at each other. Tulum was located on, on the south, uh, was located south of Cancun and just a few hours north of the border with Belize, and which also sits on the Caribbean Sea. Um, and, of course, the State Department issued do not travel warnings for parts of Mexico ahead of spring break, y'all, which because everybody goes to Cancun now because there's no drinking age and it's not like going to Florida like we did back in the day. Um, but you know, they used to stay out of these the towns, y'all, like Cancun and, and stuff, and now it's it's a big deal. The the cartels are moving in during the spring breaks, and they, even though they have checkpoints set on the outside of the city, they get in. And they're shooting people and doing all this, oh, giving bad God. drugs. So, um, you know, in previous years, U.S. citizens have become seriously ill or died in Mexico after using synthetic drugs or, or adulterated uh, prescription pills. Fentanyl, y'all. Cartel members kidnapped four Americans to travel across the border seeking, we, we told y'all about that on Real Life Real Crime, seeking cosmetic surgery, and they got them by accident. And and two of the Americans and an innocent Mexican bystander died during a shootout. So the you just can't go anywhere anymore. You know, I mean, well, it's, it's horrible. There's places that I used to go barefooted in before they were so popular as tourist resorts and hang out. I would take the ferry. You know, I go down and dive four or five days on that that middle day during diving. I would take off every time, take the ferry, and go back across. Go down in Tulum and different places, and you know, float in the caves. Just have a great fucking time without you a care in the world, without and, a care and, in the world, never thinking about crime. But look, I mean, Bahamas, Jamaica, know, we're seeing it from it's everywhere, stupid. right? It's so, stupid. Yeah. so I, I think the Caribbean overall is going to have a really bad yeah. tourism season, yeah. and you know, because look, it's it's a lot more expensive, but I think the gap is closed a little bit. You can. Hawaii is about the only place I think you can go right now where you don't have to have, yeah. uh, you know, if you're going to Maui or you're going to, to the big island, you don't have those fears of, of crime. It's further to but go. You, you're, paying but up, you're paying to not have those fears. Too. You're paying a little bit. But look, when I was in L.A., basically your choices are you're either going to Hawaii or you're going to Cabo. Right. Cabo got to be right. as expensive mm-hmm. yeah. as Hawaii. Right, right. I mean, to go, I mean, it's only a two-hour flight, right. but it it's gotten ridiculously expensive there. But um, you know, the all the destinations. My wife took me one one year to Turks and Caicos. Mm. 
Oh, that's so expensive. You can't, you can't breathe. Well, so freaking ridiculous. So she decided I needed, I was too stressed out. I had all this stuff going on at work. And she it was a surprise. She had the perfect plan. We go there. Her plan is that we're at this resort where there are no TVs. There's no outside communication. The only thing I got was a New York Times fax every day. And it had some big yoga hut. How do you think I did five days in Turks and the New York Times facts? I'm a freaking killer. Not very well. Um, best trip I ever had down there, though, was uh, uh, was we rented a boat, a bunch of uh, friends in Tortola, and mm. cruised the BVIs with a captain. Mm. And so we went to all awesome. these little islands yeah. and— uh, uh, you know, had a compressor on board so we could dive anywhere we wanted to dive, right, air-conditioned right. boat. I mean, it was a great, nice great time. trip. You, you know, obviously. But I don't think you could do that now. got so turned on to Belize. You know what the major spoken language is in Belize? What? English. And it, it where it, unlike Mexico where, the, you know, the peso goes up and down like 10 or 11 or 12 to 1, Belize, the dollar is guaranteed at 2 to 1. Whatever you buy in Belize, if you have an American dollar, it's hmm, it's, never heard it, uh, it's the Belize was a, a British colony until 1984, and so but it has the mixture of the of the Creoles, and I the did Gar- know that. Yeah. and and all that. It's a great, great, great place. I've never knock on wood had any trouble, uh, but shit, I'm afraid to go anywhere now. Yeah, well, I just got a. Orange Beach. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Orange yeah. Beach yeah. is like a two-hour yeah. drive. Yeah. All the same laws that were, always, that were always being broken in Orange yeah. Beach are yeah. still being, still being broken. worry too much no, about no. Orange Beach. The world has become a smaller place, and people are traveling more freely between countries than ever before. And companies are doing more business outside of their home countries than ever before. The geniuses at Rosetta Stone saw this trend beginning to develop years ago and have dedicated decades toward researching and refining the best and most efficient way to teach someone a new language. Rosetta Stone has been one of our most loyal sponsors here at Real Life Real Crime and The Daily Show, and that's because many of you out there have trusted Rosetta Stone to prepare you for everything from a family reunion to a once-in-a-lifetime trip to a business trip in a faraway country. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program in the galaxy. Rosetta Stone's been there for us with a great product at a great price. Rosetta Stone is the trusted expert in language learning for 30 years with millions of users. Rosetta Stone's intuitive process helps you pick up a new language naturally so you retain what you learn, and their true accent speech recognition feature is like having a personal trainer. So don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Real Life Real Crime and The Daily Show listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today today. Au revoir. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live 
live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Well, let's go to Indiana for a... Another one. I mean, an effed up story. Um... And it's a story that took place a while ago, but has a uh, has a recent update to it. Herb Baumeister was a married father with three children, seemed like a normal, semi-normal, successful family man. That is until thousands of bone fragments were discovered on his property, exposing one of Indiana's most famous serial killers. Way back in 1996, Indiana officials began digging up the $1 million property where Baumeister and his family lived. They made uh, horrific discoveries, hundreds and thousands of bone fragments belonging to various missing gay men. Uh-oh. The remains are still being identified today, but authorities believe Baumeister lived a double life. He picked up men at gay bars while his family was out of town, and then he brought those men back to his Westfield, Indiana home where he murdered them and later buried their remains on this 18-acre property. Mm. Back in 1994, Baumeister's 13-year-old son found a human skull on the property and showed it to his mother, Julie Baumeister. Julie then found the rest of the skeleton and confronted her husband, Herb, about it. Herb told her there was nothing to worry about. The bones had come from a medical school skeleton given to him by his late father, who was an anesthesiologist. This explanation reportedly calmed Julie's nerves at the time. But what Julie didn't know at the time was that investigators with the Marion County Sheriff's Department and the Indianapolis PD had been investigating the disappearances of gay men of similar age, height, and weight in the Indianapolis area for several years. In 1992, they were contacted by a man named Tony Harris, who claimed that a gay bar patron calling himself Brian Smart had likely killed a friend of his named Robert Goodlett. Uh, Roger Goodlett. Harris, based on his suspicious interest in his friend Goodlett's um, disappearance, had met Baumeister posing as Brian Smart in an indie gay club and barely escaped when Baumeister attempted to kill him with a pool hose during an erotic asphyxiation session at Harris's home. So this guy escapes. Harris eventually saw Baumeister again in August of 1995 and followed his car, writing down his license plate number. He was able then to give police that number, and they were able to identify Brian Smart as her Baumeister. Investigators approached Baumeister, told him he was a suspect in the disappearances, and asked to search his house. Both Baumeister and his wife, Julie, refused to allow a search of their property. But by June 1996, Julie had become sufficiently frightened by her husband's erratic behavior and filed for divorce. She then consented to a search of the estate, which was conducted while Baumeister was on vacation. The search turned up the remains of 11 men, eight of whom they were able to identify. Mm. With a warrant out for his arrest, Baumeister fled to Ontario, Canada, where he committed suicide at Pinery Provincial Park on Lake Huron. Baumeister shot himself in the head with a 357 Magnum. 
Baumeister left a three-page suicide note written on yellow note paper. In the note, he said he regretted messing up the park and felt badly about his broken marriage and failing business, but he did not mention the remains of his victims or admit to any of the crimes. Police estimate approximately 25 victims were buried at Fox Hollow Farm. Wow. The majority of the bones were found in two dense areas of the woods, and some were partially burned. Police then linked Baumeister to nine other victims whose remains were found outside the property, but they also believe Baumeister was the I-70 strangler who's responsible for the deaths of nine other men and teens in the 1980s and 90s. This guy has a major body count on him, had a major body. Their strangled bodies were discovered, dumped in ditches and remote areas in Indiana and Ohio. Officials are still working to identify the nearly 10,000 human remains recovered at Fox Hollow. On January 25th of this year, the Hamilton County coroner, Jeff Jellison, announced the identification of Manuel Resendez, who remains, whose remains were found on Fox Hollow way back in 96. So with DNA, they were able to identify a guy, one of the victims last month. In late 22, Jellison asked family members of men who went missing in the Indianapolis area in the 80s and 90s to submit DNA samples to the coroner's office to see if their loved one was a possible victim of Baumeister. So he's now going through all this DNA other family members have submitted against all the bodies that uh, were recovered. So it looks like this guy had a body count of over 40. Wow. It's going to be one of the most prolific things time all back in. Eric Baumeister. The uh, high-risk victims and got away with it for a long time. Probably graduated in his crimes from dumping them in ditches to taking them to his own property because he had a close call somewhere along the line. Yeah. And so if I can shred them all up and burn them or whatever, and he put them into 10,000 pieces, it'd be harder. To and his identify. childhood, when you look into his childhood, it was, he, this was his destiny. I mean, he was killing uh, ant cats and yeah. chopping them up. He was that doing is. all of this shit when he was 10 years old and 12 years old. Yeah. And uh, somehow he lived this double, this woman must have been, Kind of out. I don't know how you could be with a human being like that, and yeah. they could live a double life like that. But he had three kids too. A lot of them did. Yeah. Look at the Gilgo Beach. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. So yeah. many of them. All right, we're going to go to Michigan, and look, forensic genetic genealogy is a big topic right now, big deal. And, and much like DNA, which we just discussed, these scientific uh, breakthroughs are enabling, you know, in, in some positives, they're enabling these crimes to be solved that right. were not possible no, before, no, no, at least sure. the linkage to them. Right. Uh, so in Michigan, authorities have actually made a second arrest in connection with a 1980 murder of a 21-year-old by the name of Karen Humphrey. The St. Clair County Sheriff's Department on February 8th announced the arrest of Anthony Harris, 63, in connection with Humphrey's murder, approximately two months after they arrested Douglas Lamming, who is 70, in the same case. Working with the Michigan State Police and a company called Othram, which specializes in forensic genetic genealogy, information was uncovered that previously would have been impossible to find, uh, that from the sheriff's office in a press conference. Uh, 
And basically, they announced that arrest of Lamling. And from there, the sheriff's office detective spoke to many people that were connected to the victim and suspect over a 40-year time period. And they gathered information and started making some connections. Uh, To catch you up on the case, Humphrey was found dead in a state game area, which is basically a hunting area uh, near Port Huron, on the morning of November 2nd, 1980, the 21-year-old had gotten into an argument with her boyfriend in the early morning hours. Her boyfriend begins walking home, so Omfrey parked her car and began to follow him. Around 3.30 a.m. on November 2nd, a driver contacted Port Huron police and reported seeing a woman being forced into a trunk. Mm-hmm. Authorities were, uh, or later that day, Hunter's uh, found Humphrey's body about 600 feet from the road with two sh- gunshot wounds to her head. Uh, authorities were unable to determine any suspects at the time, and the case went cold for 40 years. Wow. In 2022, Michigan State Police sent evidence collected from the crime scene to o- Othram, which is that genetic genealogy company. Uh, and they specialize in resolving unsolved murder cases. So scientists found a match and authorities arrested Lambling a year later. At the time, it was not publicly announced that DNA belonging to another contributor was discovered at that crime scene. Um, So in 2023, uh, the state police submitted additional DNA evidence to O3M with that second DNA profile, and they used what's known as forensic-grade genome sequencing. And... uh, they use that technology, and it linked a second suspect that they that they arrested. The leads were returned to the department. They made the arrest, and now Lambling and Harris are both charged with murder, and they have a $2 million bond. But how about that? 40-year-old love, cold love, case. See, the longer the cold, the yeah. more it means to me. And those, I'm glad those, both of these guys were still alive from, just so yeah, they can right. face justice. 40 years, 40 Christmases, it is 40 birthdays, around, yeah. 40 whatever. Uh, they got away with it. Yeah. Or they thought they did. They thought they did. Fuck them. Yep. Yeah. Well, Murder it's amazing that not only is all of this technology making it a lot harder today to get away with murder, but it's also making it very possible to go back and get folks who committed crimes and, uh, you know, cases that went cold 20, yep. 30, 40 years ago. And a lot and so, of them are dead now, but they still get them because there's no denying the DNA. Right. Fuck them. Well, ultimately, murder rate's going to go down because people are getting caught and it's got to lower the murder rate. I think that's why we're seeing the well, these other crimes. Mm, uh, you know, gonna, well, they get caught, but they DNA, still get murdered. DNA's not going to yeah. DNA's Well, not, no, it becomes a deterrent. Knowing, no, you're, go, knowing no. you're going more likely to get caught no. becomes a deterrent. No, no such thing as, as an effective deterrent. I wish there was. Well, it but, actually is. The stats are there. It's already happening. Murder rates are down okay. across the country right now. All right. The not going to argue with you about that, but the, um, people that are going to kill people are going to kill people, and they're not going to stop pulling a gun at the red light and not shooting you because they're thinking, oh, well, shit, DNA's going to get me. Uh, if it's down, it's got to be down for some other reason. But, 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 hey, at least it's down, right? right. And, and the uh, – I mean, there is no such effective thing. They've proven that for anything to be an effective deterrent to crime, it has to be swift and certain. 
the one thing that's two things you got the one you're not certain to leave DNA. It's not, that's a fallacy. It's not like a movie. I can rub this table right now and not leave my DNA on. It's just chance that, uh, two is certainly not swift. And, but, and, you know, revenge is a dish best served cold. All right, I'm going to take y'all to my. <laughs> Indeed, it is. To my. Well, and carjacking's easier and you don't get caught. Right. My home parish, and y'all, it's real life, real crime. And I'm actually going to do a full length episode of this on the real life, real crime original because I know all the players. I know the place. I'm just fucking heartbreaking. Uh, let's go to East Feliciana Parish, which is where I'm from. And um, a married couple pleaded no contest to manslaughter this week, two years after their 36-year-old daughter was found melted into their couch, yes. deceased and covered in feces. Now, let me give a shout-out. Sheriff Jeff Travis, Major uh, Mark Maples, Kevin Garrig, who's the lead detective over now, my boy with Kool-Aid, who he and I went to the academy together um, for handling this and handling this correctly guaranteed be one of the most horrible things you'll ever hear. Shout out Kool-Aid. Yep. Kool-Aid. As I know, only I can call him Kool-Aid. Uh, yeah. Well, I would call him Kool-Aid because when we went to the Academy, he was the youngest one in the Academy. He had just turned 21. He's projected to be a first round pick, you know? Yeah. No, I don't know about that, but I, I, I know <laughs> Kool-Aid I know McKinstry from uh, Alabama is a good dude. And, and we talked just recently, but let's go back to the store. Cause there ain't anything funny about this shit. Um, Sheila and Clay Fletcher entered the plea Monday, February 5th, my birthday, in connection with their daughter, Lacey Fletcher's death. They were originally charged with second-degree murder, but the charges were dismissed and later reinstated. Lacey Fletcher died January 3rd of 2022 and reportedly weighed only 96 pounds. Now, the East Shannon Parish coroner, Dr. Yule Bickham, the friend of ours, shout-out to you, sir, said Lacey Fletcher had been melted into a couch at Sheila and Clay Fletcher's house because she most likely had not moved for years. She reportedly had feces. No, not reportedly. I'm telling you all. She had feces and bugs all over her body. Bickham described the couch as a latrine. Bickham, again, y'all, that's the corner, said that Lacey Fletcher suffered from at least a decade of medical neglect calling it the worst form of medical neglect I've ever seen. He ruled her death a homicide and said starvation played a major role. Lacey Fletcher lived with autism and was nonverbal. She had not seen a doctor in about 20 years. Sheila and Clay Fletcher's attorney stated they loved her to death, literally. And that is the true statement of what the Fletchers are. The things that happened to Lacey are horrible and the way it worked out, but they care for her daily. Fuck you. You're a liar. Um, Bickham said what happened to Lacey, that's corny, y'all. What happened to Lacey should never happen again. And they're going to be sentenced in March. Uh, um, prosecutors are, I have a prosecutor being Sam DeQuilla, another good friend of mine, the district attorney. Unlike other parishes where the, the district attorney is an elected official and you have 10 ADAs underneath you, East Lucian is still so small that he prosecutes most of his own cases. But anyway, Sam and them are going for the maximum 40 year sentence. And that's the maximum, maximum for manslaughter. Oh, but I agree. 
originally. You know what? I'm going to tell about an original real life of a crime. I'm going to tell you why I got dropped down from second degree murder to manslaughter. I'm going to tell you about the Fletchers and, and the face that the community, we all knew them as. Fuck them. Um, yeah, they were public figures there, were they not? 20, yeah, prominent people. 20 years since you've seen a doctor melted into no the couch. Excuse. So they were they appeared outwardly normal. They, yeah, they the melted is, into the freaking couch, melted, neglected for that. Body rotted into the couch. So, and stay tuned for an episode. Disgusting. You know what? I might do it this week on Real Life Real Crime Original. I'll give you all the yeah, do it this week. Well, let's do the details. <sighs> Horrible, yeah. Adult special politics can't can't talk. People like yeah, that, exactly. Well, horrible to horrible. Let's go to Houston, where a woman walked into a popular Texas megachurch Sunday afternoon with yeah. a long gun and a young child and opened fire before she was killed by law enforcement officers at the scene. The gunfire left the child in critical condition and another man injured. Authorities are now probing the shooting at televangelist and pastor Joel Osteen's Lakewood Church just outside Houston. Just before 2 p.m., the woman, estimated to be between 30 and 35 years old, entered the church accompanied by a child estimated to be four or five years old. She was wearing a trench coat and a backpack, and shortly after she entered, she began opening fire. That's according to Houston Police Chief Troy Finner. Two off-duty officers happened to be at the church. A 28-year-old Houston PD officer and a 38-year-old agent with the Texas Alcoholic Beverage Commission, both with less than five years of service. The two officers engaged the shooter and she was struck, the police chief said. The shooter used an AR-15 that allegedly had Free Palestine written on it. Mm. Investigators are trying to sort out whether she was politically motivated or a disturbed individual. Sounds like both. The shooter died at the scene. The young child was hit during the shooting and is in the hospital in critical condition. The chief said it's unclear at this point who fired that shot that injured the child. Police have not shared details about a possible motive in the shooting other than what I just read or said that the woman's relationship or said what the woman's relationship uh, to that child that uh, was with her may have been. The injured man was shot in the leg and sought treatment at a local hospital. The gunfire unfolded while the church was in between services and preparing to go into a Spanish service, Joel Austin said in a Sunday news conference. He also said, I can only imagine if it would have happened during the 11 o'clock service. The shooting is just the latest instance of gun violence disrupt, disrupting American life at places once considered safe to all of us. Uh, I want to commend those officers. She had a long gun, and it could have been a lot worse, Finner said. But they stepped up, and they did their job, and I want to thank them for that. Both officers who engaged with the shooter will be placed on administrative leave, as is normal protocol with officer-involved shootings. The, shooting, uh, the shooter also threatened that she had a bomb. But authorities searched her vehicle and backpack and found no explosives. She was also spraying some type of substance on the ground, according to uh, Finner. That's the police chief again. But he did not share any further details on that. Uh, fire authorities came in and they investigated to ensure uh, that whatever it was she was spraying on the ground was, didn't present any uh, potential risk. And they cleared uh, the area and then announced that it was okay for people to, uh, to go back in. So, uh, you know, Osteen said, thank God she came 
when she came because his services routinely draw 45,000 attendees to the church weekly. In addition, uh, obviously it's got a big TV audience as well, but, but if that church had been filled when she walked in there, I mean, there's no telling how many people she could have taken out. We're devastated. He said, we've been here 65 years and, uh, and have never had anything like this happen in the, in the church. And he was seen greeting, uh, people and, and stayed a very long time talking to y'all another horrible, horrible tragedy. But I think we hear about it so much that it's just, I don't want to say commonplace, but Leah Marie, um, sent me a 26 second video from inside the church of one of the parishioners who was, looks like at the top of the escalator and you can actually hear the gunfire and see the people running. And so we're going to play that for y'all now. something right well and and that goes to the if there were more people in there and thank goodness that woman must not have had a clue about what time to actually go in there if she was trying Mm, to probably mm. probably thinking or she probably scouted it and thinks i can get in in the early earlier service easier than the later service because they would have more security Mm. yeah i mean it's craziness i don't i don't understand but that was a lot of that was a lot of shots there what an AR-15. How the hell do you get an AR-15 in the building up the escalator into the big trench stadium coat. church? She had that trench coat on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm, mm, mm. Well, I don't know. I wonder how much security they actually do have there. You think but, they have a lot of security there? I wouldn't. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, uh, yeah, security mega charges. church like absolutely. that. I'm yeah. sure they have some security. Mile high crime, and high. we're going to talk about a, a really different and kind of crazy mile high crime today. Right? Yeah, a 63 year old man has died after coughing up liters of blood on a Lufthansa flight from Bangkok to Munich. Liters. It uh, it was scheduled to depart to depart Bangkok from the Bavarian capital. At 11.40 p.m. on Thursday, February 8th, and after 90 minutes in the air, uh, the plane was forced to turn around after a German national was pronounced dead on board the plane. Oh, it pronounced. I must have had a doctor on the plane. According to fellow passenger, the man lost liters of blood through his nose and mouth. Holy shit. It was absolute horror. Everyone was screaming. Uh, this from a passenger who was situated in a row diagonally behind the passenger. Uh, a nursing specialist at a university hospital in Zurich immediately noticed her fellow passenger's poor health upon uh, boarding. He had cold sweats. He was breathing much too quickly and was already apathetic. She uh, she said the man's Filipina wife explained that the pair had run to the plane very quickly, which is why he wasn't feeling well. 
So at this stage, the nurse intervened and said that the passenger needed medical attention. That prompted the captain to call for a doctor over the loudspeaker. Uh, a young, around 30-year-old man from Poland with poor English looked at the German, she said, but only felt his pulse and asked how he was feeling. They gave him a little, a little bit of tea, but he had already spit blood into the bag that his wife held out for him. Oh, Despite the escalating situation, the decision was made by airport authorities to depart. That's huh. pretty crazy. God damn. Uh, as the plane Sorry, became airborne, the man's condition worsened dramatically and blood began gushing out of his mouth and nose. And it's described that he lost liters of blood. Liters. Flight stewards immediately began resuscitation to no avail, and the man was carried into the galley, and a decision was made to return to Bangkok. The captain announced over the loudspeaker that the passenger had sadly died. Despite the ordeal that passengers witnessed, Miss Med- Miss Med- <laughs> Miss Miss Felder's husband Martin described the situation back at Bangkok Airport as chaotic. Nobody looked after us. We were we waited for two hours. There was no care team. Nobody. He said the worst thing was that his wife uh, was that the wife of the deceased passenger then had to proceed through the customs alone. She stood there all alone and apathetic and had to endure all the formalities. The fact that Lufanza had no measures in in his case that no one cared about That's the, uh, crime the passengers right is unacceptable. And, you know, so basically LaFonza releases a statement trying to justify yeah, right. that. They're, I don't think well, there they, is. they should have. If he's coughing up blood before they took off, there's a crime. I mean, they, they, they wouldn't want to delay the flight. But just and his wife's there. It it's not like yeah. it's not like he, somebody who loved him yeah. wasn't there to yeah, be able right. to say, yeah, it's time to get but off you, this plane. Hey, leaders, let's think about that. Think about a, a two-liter Coca-Cola. Yeah. That is a shit ton of blood. Yeah. I mean, what the human body holds, what, eight liters? Yeah, I think it like is, that. something like that. The, 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 and, up, and how, up. I mean, they, at that point, should have considered lots of crazy things like, you know, was he uh, was he poisoned in some yeah, way? Right. Was it, you know, uh, and they decide to, to take off with the guy? Uh, that's just that, that, unbelievable. And he's already, so it holds uh, approximately – Double had approximately 1.2 to 1.5 gallons or 10 units. I guess uh, each unit is probably a liter. Yeah. And and liters. So, no, uh, an average adult male weighing 200 pounds can have almost six liters. Six. Okay. So, so, so throwing up half the blood Jesus in Christ, the body. Man. Bizarre. Uh, it's the first one I've covered where someone's actually died on the right, flight. Right. But what, sure, it happens. But what did he die of? Oh, it had to be what? some kind of poisoning or something. I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, even I've never even heard anybody spitting up blood and living through embolisms. Embolisms hit you and they kill you immediately. Yeah. I don't know what he died. Uh, I'm going to stay tuned to that one. Horrible. And yeah, anyway, can't always be happy stories, people. That's right. That's your mile high crime for today. And we're moving on to a kinky. Moving on to a kinky crime for Thursday. So, y'all, a woman flew into a rage and stabbed her husband. 
when she found out that when she found what she thought were snaps of him on his phone having sex with another woman who happened to be her when they were dating years ago. Mm -hmm. So she sees the pictures. She thinks the husband's cheating on her, but it was really her. (laughs) Right? Police responded last week to reports of a domestic dispute at the couple's home when where they discovered the man with multiple stab wounds on his arms and legs. His wife, identified as Lenora A., reportedly went ballistic when she found the explicit photos on his phone showing him having sex with who she thought was another woman. Without asking him about the photos, Lenora began attacking her shocked hubby, identified as Juan <laughs> N., who finally managed to wrestle the knife from her hands and ask what had set her off. Juan then told Lenora that the woman she thought he had been cheating with was actually her. How about that? When they were just dating. Yeah. Right? She she must have forgot she took the dirty, dirty <laughs> Juan, who's expected to recover from his injuries, told investigators that he told his jealous wife that he had recently found the photos in an old email and transferred them to his phone. Wait, Lenora was arrested. Don't jump to conclusions, ladies. They must not have her face in the photos. Or she just didn't might have been her, her from the back or something, and maybe yeah. she, you know, you don't look at your own backside too that often. Is, that deserves sure. banjos more than right? kinky. That right. is was, ridiculous. Yes. yes, indeed. I mean, how about that? Kinky crimes yeah. for Thursday. Yell that for having your own wife on your phone. Bizarre. Banjos. Crazy. That is crazy. You know, unfortunately, we don't plan these things, folks. And generally speaking, our mile high crime has a little humor in it. And our dumb criminal has a little humor in it. Unfortunately, neither today have any humor in them. Oh, I'm going to talk about a crazy lady in Florida. A pair of three-year-old twins died after they were found unresponsive and alone in a car while their mother jumped off of a Miami overpass. Early Friday morning, officers responded to a medical emergency after a call reported that the children identified well, I won't say their names, um, were found unresponsive, according to Miami-Dade police. The toddlers were found foaming at the mouth in the backseat of an SUV in the northbound lanes of I-95 near the Turnpike Extension. This happened at around 2 a.m. Police said that after officers arrived on the scene, the twins' mother, identified as 42-year-old Shirlene Alcimi jumped over the expressway wall and onto the train tracks below in an apparent suicide attempt. The toddlers were transported to a nearby hospital where medical personnel pronounced both children dead. The cause of their death is not yet known. Despite falling from a considerable height, the mother survived and was taken to the hospital. Uh, She is in critical condition. Um, Miami-Dade detective Andre Martin told reporters right now our investigators are working to piece together this tragic uh, incident. There are many, many questions that we've uh, that we're still working on to try and find the answers following the twins' death. Their father, Milson Calday, spoke with local media. Uh, he is uh, uh, Haitian and he speaks Creole. He told NBC, I don't know about what happened today, why my kids passed away. They had no known health conditions. So 
he's not married to the Al Simi uh, lady, but lives with the family. He also told NBC that he had not seen any of the kids or their mother since Wednesday and had been trying to contact them. A neighbor of the family told NBC that they were shocked by the news, that she was a very, very good neighbor and good person, and they don't understand how this could have happened. So she, her kids die in the car and she jumps off the fucking interstate kids real life real now. crime y'all say no political no religious you just got a dose of real crime today you sure did a hard dose my apologies no don't apologize for being on real life real crime it's part of it part of it it's the facts of life mike say something funny should we play a game no. <laughs> no. <laughs> the, uh, all right what i want to say is Thank you to all of y'all. Y'all go check out the Real Life Real Crime Daily Facebook page. Uh, I know we have like seven or eight Real Life Real Crime Facebook pages, but Real Life Real Crime Daily is on there. Go check it out. Go check out Bloody Angolas too. The, uh, give it a like and a follow. All these these clips and, and pictures and these things we posted, Mike and Jim, very good about getting all that stuff posted to the Real Life Real Crime Daily. Also, the Real Life Real Crime community app, it has links to almost all that stuff in there. And so y'all go uh, download it for free. And that's all I got, boys. Mark, anything? Thanks, folks. I'm recovering. <laughs> yeah, yeah, still recovering. <laughs> all right. Until next time, I'm Jim Chapman. And I'm Woody Everton. And I'm Mike Agavino. Your host of Real Life, Real Crime Daily. Peace. Mm. Aglats. <laughs>